This is RSA Radio, and I'm Rachel O'Brien. Hardly a day goes by without headlines reminding us of the huge challenges facing the UK's prison service. The system depends on having the right staffing and the right resources in place, but it also depends on prisoners being able to develop and sustain positive relationships. In this series, we explore some of the connections that have helped people to rebuild their lives. I think the biggest problem for prisoners is this glass ceiling above us that even sometimes we put on ourselves, not just the world. So to have a relationship that just totally smashes that, almost like you just push me through all the time and just saying like, yes, you can do that. Having been convicted for trafficking, CJ served her prison sentence in Japan and the UK. Studying a law degree through the Open University, CJ now works for SOS, part of the St Giles Trust charity working to break the cycle of reoffending. While still in prison, the Longford Trust matched CJ with Jessica Jones, a barrister working in human rights law. She is CJ's career mentor. I sat down with CJ and with Jessica to talk about their relationship and what they've learned from each other. My name's CJ. In 2011, I was caught in Japan with a suitcase of drugs and arrested. My journey began a lot longer than before I got sentenced. Nobody really wakes up and says, I'm going to carry a suitcase of drugs today. There was a lot of things that led up to that. I was at university at the time. I was in debt and I had made a lot of bad choices up until that point whilst I was on remand. And I spent nine months in solitary confinement. It was character building because I had a choice, do or die, sink or swim. For me, the real victims were my family and my friends who didn't know what I'd chosen to do. Yeah, I just thought the last thing I can do now is disappoint them further. So I just chose to use that time as best I could to better myself. Whatever I could read, I read it and just kept myself strong mentally because an environment like that can destroy you. Japan is a pretty difficult system because they really limit your communication. So solitary confinement also meant that, you know, it was very difficult for me to see people. They didn't have a phone system in Japan, so it's not like you can call your friends and family and check in. And then I was sentenced and I was given nine and a half years. After about three years in Japan, I was able to come back to the United Kingdom on the prisoner transfer agreement and I spent the last three years in prison in the United Kingdom, which was an absolute godsend in comparison and really got me to where I am today. I suppose I should have known better. I was educated. I came from a really good family. Being in that environment was really tough because I stuck out. And also having just come back from Japan, I also stuck out. I just used the only techniques I knew, which was just to keep my head down, which is literally what you had to do in Japan. I think for a lot of prisoners, they thought I was aloof and therefore not a target, but somebody who they would think was the snitch because the the culture in prison is that you don't snitch. This is what I found really hard, that in society, you're encouraged to be part of a community. And if you saw something going outside your window, someone was being hurt, you'd report it to the police. Whereas in prison, that is the last thing you must do. And so, yeah, I had to learn 
a different way of living and also try and rehabilitate myself because I made mistakes. I think a lot of the time the public get the wrong perception of prisoners. They see these things on programmes and they think, oh, they're just having a great time, but they're not. Like any of us, when you're in a tough situation, there are times you just want to let go and pretend you're not there, but that doesn't happen 24-7. It's a distraction, it's an escape method, because what's going on there is so horrific. And for me, I'd argue that actually internally what's going on in their minds is the most horrific thing, and prison just compounds that. When I came to the United Kingdom, I thought, what's the one thing I really want to do? And that's to finish my law degree. Within three months of coming back to the UK, I applied to the Open University, started my degree, which was a godsend in prison because it just requires so much of your time. And time is what is against you in prison. So if there's anyone listening that's in prison, I would just encourage you to get stuck into education, whatever level it is. I did the first year full time, but it was really tough because... In a female jail, you're expected to spend at least eight hours out of your cell doing purposeful activities. So it was sort of like a full week, then plus the degree. And so I thought, you know what, when it counts in second year, I'll do it part-time, which I did. And at that point, I was fortunate enough to get release on temporary license. Release on temporary license is the opportunity for serving prisoners towards the end of their sentence after they've been risk assessed and they're at a level of trust where they can be released from the prison into the community for short periods of time to do purposeful activity that adds to their rehabilitation. So it could be seeing family members um, or children. It could be going for job interviews. It could be doing volunteering placement, or it could be working, for instance, or it could be going to university or school. Unfortunately, it's not used as much as it should be. There's only like 56 prisoners who will never be released from prison. So it's such a wonderful opportunity to allow people to gain back their self-confidence, to be able to become part of society. My placement was in a contact centre giving rehabilitation advice to prisoners and to the general public in St Giles Trust called Peer Assist. And I worked alongside lifers who'd been in prison for 15 years and when they came out, everything was new. They didn't know how to send an email they didn't really know what the internet was. So how do we expect these people to be able to come out, get a job, be functioning members of society when they don't know any of this? There's no internet access in a prison. So you really need these placements in order to build and grow. I wanted to ask Jessica to say a little bit about herself and how you met and what the arrangement is as mentor and mentee. CJ and I met a couple of years ago now. I am a barrister practising at Matrix Chambers. I have always been interested in issues around the criminal justice system and prisoners and the experience of prisoners. Um, And I heard about the Longford Trust just through the grapevine of friends and colleagues who were either involved in it or who went to their annual lectures. Um, And CJ had applied to the Longford Trust in the second year of her degree because the key thing that the Longford Trust does is provide support to prisoners and ex-offenders in accessing higher education. They had offered to support CJ through the remainder of her degree and one of the things that they provide alongside financial support for prisoners is the opportunity for a relationship with somebody who works in a field related to whatever the prisoner is studying. So I had said to the Longford Trust that I was interested in being involved in their mentoring programme and within about six months of having expressed that interest, they had linked me up with CJ. When we first met, actually, CJ was still a serving prisoner, which is quite unusual. Most people who the Longford Trust would support 
are people who have served a sentence but are out and are now studying full time. But it was made possible by the fact that CJ was on release on temporary licence. So I think at that point you were coming out every day for a placement. And that meant that we were able to work around the timings that she had to be back in prison, meet for lunch, meet for coffees, and just sort of get to know each other. First time we met, CJ, at that point, I think you were working for two places. You were working for a law centre as well as for St Giles Trust. But it was at St Giles Trust that we met. I lived in Brixton and St Giles Trust, um, which is the charity for whom CJ works, is based in Camberwell. We met at the St Giles office. I arrived and I was sitting in the reception and CJ was called down and eventually came down to start her lunch break. She took one look at me and said, gosh, you're much younger than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> because I think just even the terminology of like a mentor and mentee kind of suggests you're going to have some kind of like patron type relationship, which hasn't been true for us at all. A kind of common experience that we have from that is that I think neither of us were what the other expected, right? <laughs> I literally just got her name from the scholarships manager and found out she's doing human rights law and she's a barrister. And I was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. But just assumed to be at that position, yeah, that you'd be way older. <laughs> when we met, I'd already done like two years of law, but just to have conversation that was like intelligent, that was not about prison, because so much of a prisoner's life, everything is about the smallest of things, the most petty of things. And it's just so draining. We spoke about so much in that hour and I just was like rejuvenated. I was so happy. There's so much more I just wanted to ask you. It's been a massive process, hasn't it? Because I guess one of the things that you had to do and that your resilience throughout this experience required you to put aside all those other things that you were interested in. I mean, nine months in solitary confinement, your world becomes very small and you have to be able to cope with that. And you did. And then it gets a bit bigger when you are then in the general population in a prison. And then it gets a bit bigger when you have release on temporary licence. But when we met, we were just at the start of thinking about, wow, that's going to happen and what's that going to look like? And so our relationship has sort of coincided with the period of your life suddenly getting much bigger than it had been for the previous six years. Yeah, because I think when I met you, I was still volunteering at St Giles. Right. And it was at the cusp of me applying for paid work, which as a prisoner, you can do only in the last 12 months of your sentence. So that was the sort of first thing I remember speaking to you about. Jess, you said very pathy that it's not that patron relationship no, so absolutely. what's the alternative yeah. I guess I'd known going into it that there was something in it for me as well I think when you decide that you want to do something like sign up to a mentorship program you expect it will hit things that you want to be part of your life and it's definitely done that the kind of biggest boon of it has just been getting to know CJ and spending time with her because she's great company and interesting and it's been amazing to kind of see the progress that she's made I think also it was made easier by the fact that we're a similar age, that from the very start of our relationship, we kind of just got on in a very natural way and not in a kind of forced or formal way at all. Uh, and then the context in which we met, it was in an area that is interesting to me. It's an area that I've kind of formed my career around. In the work that I do while I'm engaging with people in CJ's situation or I'm engaging with the kind of issues that bear on people who are living those experiences, I'm always coming in later down the line to represent people in court in sometimes a fairly arcane fashion. And so actually, through my relationship with CJ, I feel like I've got a different and much better understanding of actually what it's like to have to manage those things on a day-to-day -day basis. And then in the ways that CJ is able to talk about them or the lessons she's learned from them, the work that she now does through the St Giles Trust, it's given me a very different perspective on how we can engage with those issues and the kind of difference we can make to the system. I remember thinking, 
what can I give this lady? Like, why would she want to continue doing this? And what could I do? Because I think from the outset, when you see it abstractly, you think my mentor has a job, they have money, they're doing well, assuming their social life is absolutely wonderful because they're at that point where they're willing to give back to somebody else. Like, how could I ever contribute? And will I always feel beholden and will I always feel in that sort of position where I feel lowered down and all of that? And I've never felt that, ever. We have normal conversations about life and we've developed a friendship as well, but you're just genuine. So I never felt like there was a hidden agenda or if it was just for any other reason, but you were interested in doing this and wanted to give something back. Potentially where it does go wrong is when somebody just thinks it would look good on a CV and then you'd probably see that they weren't as committed and then it'd probably end anyway. Throughout my time in prison, any sort of relationship I've had with a mentor, someone who's helped me has always been a positive one. It's never been about, oh, actually, this is a job, here you go, or actually, this is money, or I've got an appointment here, or something like that. It's more about instilling the self-belief, the confidence that's been lost and taken away by prison. It's those normal conversations that you miss. Most people, when they go to prison, have let down their family and their friends. You have the opportunity to make a new relationship that's based on something positive, rather than most of the relationships you're having at the time, which is focused around if it's an officer to yourself, for example, there's always that hidden tag behind knowing that they have to report to someone. So you might not be able to be as open and honest as you'd like to be about how you're feeling, because then you might be put on an act booked, which is where you're monitored all the time. So certain things are always there to mean that you cannot be as real as you want to be. And that's like a massive thing, I think, from what you've described to me as well, is just that in prison, there's always a power imbalance. There's an endless power imbalance between you and the people around you, particularly the people who often are trying to and often are helping you access stuff that is positive and feels like it's helping you move forward. They're employees whose job is not only to do that, but also to kind of keep you living by the rules and keep you in place and keep you doing what you're supposed to do there. So that there's never going to be that kind of natural element to the relationship, even if some of those relationships can be really positive. It just starts on a different footing and you can never get away from that footing. Whereas I think our relationship just didn't have that footing. You're shaping a relationship based on your new self, on someone who has learned from their mistakes and their bad decisions. I don't believe that you should hide away from those things. When I came out, I had a choice with my career, whether I just shunned it and just pretended it never happened and just moved forward or to just embrace it. We have all made bad mistakes. We've all made bad decisions. The way I'd like to explain it to my daughter is to say that it's a naughty step for grown-ups. And in that time, you have a chance to learn, re-educate, re-skill and move forward and sort of be proud of the way that you've handled that mistake rather than just always be labelled by the mistake. I wondered, both of you, what's your sense of how good we are as a nation of actually not just relying on random acts of kindness, but systemising some of these things that seem to be terribly important? 
the kind of formal support structures that we have in place for people leaving prison, the probation service, was hit hard by reorganisation during austerity and by cuts. And I think most people who go into the probation service go into it because they believe that they want to make a difference in prisoners' lives and help people really turn themselves around. And they're now so madly overworked and underfunded that it's incredibly difficult for them to do their jobs properly. There are some organisations like St Giles Trust that do an amazing job at this kind of work, but they're few and far between. And really... Uh, if we're relying on the third sector to do this stuff, then we are relying on the random kindness of strangers. I don't think we have a proper cultural conversation around how we want to treat people and what actually works. The kind of path that we take on these things, I don't think there's evidence that it succeeds. It doesn't stop people from reoffending. We're clearly doing something wrong. And people fall through the cracks, I guess. And CJ wasn't somebody who was going to fall through the cracks. She had found so much of her own experience and lessons to take from that in the course of the years that she spent in prison that she was going to be doing something great when she came out, whether or not I was around to sort of help support that and talk through the decisions that she was making, which is really all that I've done. The decisions and the opportunities have all been things that she's made and things that she's created. But there are other prisoners who are coming out with lower personal resources and I don't think that we are helping point them in the right direction. I think you're right. When I came out, I went and said that I was homeless to the council and that process was really tough, really confusing and it got to the point where, you know, I was telling Jess about it because there was legal actions that needed to be taken. I was in a full-time job at the time and I was able to get myself to work and pay the extra costs and all of that sort of stuff. I can't imagine going through all of that if you're jobless and homeless and don't have somebody to be able to talk to, to be able to bat those ideas around and maybe even just to know what are the formal processes that you are expected or you should take. And that's where having a mentor was great because it allowed me to do that. You're now working in an organisation that tries to provide some of that support, including to people who have a lot less resilience than you. How has the process you've been through helped you to then pass that on? Initially, I was working in a resettlement contact centre called Peer Assist, and it was amazing to be able to access that service whilst I was in prison, so call in and ask questions, but then to do an information advice and guidance course, which St Giles provides, which is equivalent to two A-levels. When I asked somebody in prison who I respected, I said, what's the best course I should do? And they said, the only course you should do is that one. It's not just the level, it's the way that they're taught. It seems like there's this tick box culture. And, you know, I felt a lot of our sessions in education in prison was about evaluating the session and the teacher rather than learning the content. I felt that that let people down who actually really needed those courses. So I did that course and was able to use that information to be able to help others. And that was great, just knowing that I was going out in Rottle, released on temporary licence, and doing that whilst in the community... At the point I met Jess, I really wanted to make sure that I could save in my last year so that when I was released, I could look after my daughter. I could not make the same mistakes that allowed me to get into the debt, that allowed me to make those choices to do what I did. At that point, I didn't even have enough confidence to go for the job. I didn't put myself forward, but it was actually someone internally who said, like, why haven't you put yourself forward? Like, this is something you could do. And so I did, and I was really chuffed when I got that job because I didn't think that I could ever get to that point. 
Even though I was doing all the right things, prison instills this belief that you're not good enough, you're a failure. So I went for the SOS Plus coordinator role and SOS Plus is a project that goes into schools and youth offending services around London and speaks to young people. Using ex-offenders' experiences, that's really our USP, in order for young people to see that there are people out there who are trying to exploit you, trying to groom you, there are bad choices that you can make, but there are also ways to turn it around before it's too late. I was very lucky that I was in a prison that had those opportunities for me to grab hold of, but if you don't have those ways out, you are stuck in this cycle that can allow you to continue to offend. So imagine you're talking, Jess, to someone who's listening to this and who's got a really busy life, but is struck by the extent to which one relationship can make a really positive difference by size. What would you say to them in terms of kind of embarking on that journey? Well, I think I would say don't have any hesitation about taking the first step to doing that. I think I probably did have a sense when I started of, do I have enough hours in the day to be doing this? But... There is always time, and actually it's not a drag on one's time when it's such a positive experience. I do remember CJ saying she didn't have the confidence to apply for that job. And I remember talking with her about that and talking through the application for it. And then last week CJ was presenting in front of a room of a couple of hundred people, including like police commissioners. So just to see the very little that you're able to offer, which is just a sense of belief in somebody that, yeah, you can actually do these things when somebody has lived for so many years thinking they can't and they've let everyone down and life is pretty hopeless, just getting to be part of seeing someone realise that that's not the case at all and that they are hugely talented and have so much to offer and can take all those opportunities is so rewarding. It's just a real honour to be part of. Any kind of human interaction relationship is beneficial to one's life. You know, just think about the people in your friendship group, in your family, you know, it could be that crazy uncle that you always have the best time with. There's relationships that touch you and shape you and mould you in, in ways that you can never imagine. So don't box yourself in by saying that a mentor is only this. Kind of how I did when I met Jess, you know, I just had already a, a preconceived notion of who she'd be and what she could do. Just go into it thinking that this is someone who is going to have my best interests at heart, is going to want me to do well. And for me, what I've really enjoyed, and I reflected on the other day, because there's no one in my life that maybe apart from my mum, that I would like write an email to and be like, hey, guess what I just did? And just share the joy of something really positive I've been involved in. Because to most people, you just feel like you're just showing off. It's not about that, like, because I know you've been involved every step of the way. At one point when I was doing a TEDx talk, which again, I never ever thought I'd have the opportunity to do, it was you who went through my speech, who I knew... Um, that Jess would be completely honest and just was like, no, d just don't say that. Or, oh my God, stand still, you know? And whereas maybe members of your family would just be like, oh, that's great or well done. You know, again, because you're laced with all of those things that have happened in the past. And sometimes, even with friends, there's this tinge of, oh, I'm so glad you're doing well now. That's it. And I think the biggest problem for prisoners is this glass ceiling above us that even sometimes we put on ourselves, not just the world. So to have a relationship that just totally smashes that, almost like you just push me through all the time and just saying like, yes, you can do that. And I'm like, she just doesn't know me, but I'll pretend I can. We've heard about the exchange, but what's changed about you as a result of the other one? I never 
thought I would get as much as I have gotten out of it before I met you. I just thought, you know, it'd be really good to get some tips. Because you never really know what it means and what the person is willing to do or give or provide. Or even how just knowing them will shape the decisions you make and the way you go forward. It's like a friendship, first and foremost, which has been massive. I never, ever expected to have that. Especially someone like Jess. I just thought to have a friend like you who believes in all the things I believe in, who's idealistic, who is changing the world so that it's a better place, still managed to have an amazing social life <laughs> um, and do just great things and looks gorgeous. It's just inspiring and also just humbling that I'm your friend and that now I can contribute to your life in different ways because it's so much better to have a mutual relationship and obviously it doesn't always start that way. The whole aspect of a mentoring relationship doesn't, but it's grown into that and I think that's just amazing and I think you're amazing. Well, I think you're amazing too. <laughs> I think that it's been a kind of amazing couple of years to get to be part of each other's lives. I just find you so exciting to spend time with because there is so much going on in your life now and I feel like you're getting so much positive feedback about what you have to offer and it's really exciting to feel like often now like you know I'm just kind of clinging onto your coattails and coming with you like on all this exciting adventures. In terms of the issues that we really care about in terms of how the world should be organised there are so many similarities and I think that I was probably before I met you at a point where I was maybe starting to become a bit cynical about the ability for those changes to be made. You have this like endless energy and enthusiasm for making those changes and it's completely infectious. Every time I see you, I feel like I have a recommitment to what those things are, acting on them and trying to make a difference. Mm -hmm.